game is over. The Florida Gators have staked their claim for the national championship of 1996. Here's Tebow, jump pass, throw it to the end zone, and a touchdown, David Nelson scores! Back down. You can stand me up at the gates Dropping back to throw, pops and fires the ball, over the middle, it's, it's Dory, it's Dory, Dory got a touchdown! Dory got a touchdown! Oh man! be turned around. Not a body within 10 yards, lofting down the sideline for Johnson, and he is... All right, it's time for another edition of Gator Glory, and we have a guy who had a bird's-eye view of every change that's taken place at the University of Florida for a lot of years, and we're going to bring in Pat Dooley on the Gator Glory podcast, brought to you by Safe Harbor uh, Seafood. And and look, uh, Pat, uh, look, I was in Gainesville at the time. You've been there for an awful long time, then at the Gainesville Sun, and it, it was easy to be a little skeptical, even with the prodigal son, Steve Spurrier, returning, right? I mean, even with the news, it just seemed like whatever could go wrong for Florida through all those years of frustration did go wrong for Florida. And and yet it didn't take long for Spurrier to make believers out of all of us if you weren't, right? I mean, by the end of the first game, you could tell there was something different about the direction of Gator football. Oh, absolutely. I remember the press conference after his first game, and he said, well, we knew Oklahoma State wasn't very good. <laughs> we, knew, we, we knew we were going to beat them pretty easily. So, And I'm like, whoa. What, what's that? Honesty from a head coach? I don't think I remember ever seeing that before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and it was just a glorious run. Uh, to be honest with you, when I came to Gainesville, I came as sports editor, and my plan was to, you know, uh, turn the paper around and then move on to the next thing I wanted to do. But then came Spurrier, and I'm like, I'm not leaving this. I mean, this is, this is every reporter's dream, a, a coach that is honest and fun to deal with and and then and winning at the level that he won, he won was just incredible. I mean, it got to a point where you when Florida would lose a game, it was like the pall that came up the city. Whereas before, it was like, yeah, we're, we always lose. Do you, it was very Alabama-like from a certain perspective, especially when it comes to the conference uh, dominance. You know Steve Spurrier better than I do. Does it bother him that he only won one national title, or do you think the the combination of turning the program around, you know, owning Georgia while he was there, facing all with FSU at the prime of their uh, program and pretty much battling even, and then winning all those conference titles, is that enough, or do you feel like there's a little remiss that they couldn't put like a Saban Alabama-type stamp on that era? You know, I don't think – he and I have talked about this. I think the fact that he did get the one, you know, and, and the, the one that they got was so fortunate to get because it's hard unless you're the this incredible team, uh, as Nebraska was when they beat Florida, uh, it's hard to win national championships, as we all know. So I think, you know, the fact that he did get the one, if he had, if he had left without any – but you have to remember, Steve Spurrier's goal when he came here was what – win SEC championship. Yeah. And that was important. I mean, that, yeah. that that was what mattered. And no, Florida had never done it uh, legally. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, he, it was really important to him to win those, to beat Georgia, win the SEC, 
the national championship stuff kind of came later. And, and as you know, someone following the program, either as a journalist or otherwise, or a fan of the program, that was enough for us at the time too, Pat. It didn't feel like we were being shortchanged that, gosh, we should have won the national title here. Or God, you, you were just willing to, to play for the chance to win it. And then you take your chances, but all those sec titles and the one natty that he got, I'm not sure in today's era of what have you done for me in the last 10 minutes, it would fly. But at the time it was fulfilling, right? Doesn't it seem to, don't you remember it that way? Yeah. And that's the thing at the time you have to remember the sec was not the dominant conference it is now. Um, But they, he had to deal with FSU, which, no coach since then has had to deal with really on on that consistent a basis. He had to deal with his entire career having an FSU team that was always in the top ten, top five, and uh, they were always really good. They were a great battle, and of course, Steve never won there. So um, it was it was a little bit more difficult, you know, then from that aspect. Uh, and then you had that Nebraska steamroll, you know, the, how good they were. Um, it wasn't about, and then all he really had was Tennessee in the SEC and then eventually Alabama. But, um, you know, they, they really, it, I don't think it was as hard to win those SECs, but when, when you have them, won them, they're, 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 they're yeah, have. they're special for <laughs> sure. You know, it's interesting. They always said the cliche is you don't want to follow the legend. You want to follow the guy who followed the legend and boy, it sure played out that way with Florida because after uh, Spurrier ended his incredible 12 year run, Zook came in for uh, two or three years and obviously the, the level that Spurrier reached made it impossible to, to keep everyone happy. And then they turned to Urban Meyer who, Look, there, there's always a little bit of doubt when you're bringing in a guy who has only done it at a level slightly lower than, you know, that power five, as we call them these days. And and Urban came in and and put the success on steroids when it came to a national brand. But it's interesting how two coaches are really very different in the way that they achieved their success at Florida. Right. I think of Spurrier's more folksy, draw up a ball play, let you know how I feel. And Urban's the more tightened up, you know, keep to yourself. It's all about recruiting at any cost kind of coach. Do, do, how would you differentiate the two? And even though both had, you know, unbelievable levels of success. Oh, totally different. I mean, Spurrier might sneak out for a quick nine, you know, Urban's texting guys in church. So, I mean, that just shows <laughs> you the difference in their, and their levels of, uh, of how, I mean, Spurrier knew he could win, based on what he was able to do uh, with ball plays and, and getting guys to believe and getting guys to quit making excuses. You know, the, one of the great stories was uh, when he was, um, when he was first got to Florida and, and one of the players came up to him and said, Hey coach, today's the day we shave all the heads of the freshmen. He goes, well, why do you do that? He goes, well, it's tradition. He goes, Spurrier says, well, you know, getting your ass kicked by George's tradition too. We're going to stop a lot of traditions around here. Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's Spurrier, and and uh, Urban was just kind of kept to himself, and in, in far as far as the public and the media. I had a great relationship with Urban though. Here, I I I, uh, I treasured that. We we always had a good time together, and he's still a, a buddy of mine in terms of. Uh, you know, helping us out with our golf tournament. I remember that. I do. And, and you know, Urban had the benefit. If you talk Gator Glory, you can't do it without bringing up Tim Tebow. And as wonderful a story as Danny Werfel was and, and his Heisman Trophy, I, I don't know if there'll be an athlete ever in the history of the University of Florida moving forward, the future or the history, like Tim Tebow and what he meant, what his stamp on Florida football ended up being. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think Florida is very fortunate to have had two guys like that. I mean, I, I adore Danny Werfel. I mean, what he did as a player, what he's done as a human being since then, you know, and Tim the same way, you know, doing all these great things and doing great things as a player. And, you know, neither one made it in the NFL, really, but uh, that's not the, how your life is defined. So just having both those guys during those stretches, you know, was, was pretty incredible and a lot of fun. And I, and and that goes back to another thing that I talk about a lot, the taste that Gator fans got in their mouth um, of winning those four championships, national championships in three years, two basketball, two baseball. That's why Gator fans, everybody says they're spoiled and everything. Well, they are spoiled because they did something nobody's ever done and nobody probably ever will do again. And they want that back again, but it ain't coming back. It's just, it's just not, you know, it's very difficult to do what they did and, why nobody else has ever done it all right we continue with the gator glory podcast brought to you by safe harbor uh, safe harbor seafood so uh, riddle me this uh, pat i look at the billy napier hiring as you try you know like i said really the gator glory is, is the change in the program from 1990 when spurrier got here but in all seriousness the further removed we get from the last sec championship in 2009 we're going to start arguing that gator glory was from 1990 to 09 so or, or 10 uh, even so to get back to that that level, you're going to have to compete with the Georgias and Alabamas and win national titles. And I know there's a lot of optimists around Napier and what he can do and the kind of recruiting he is, but I, I'm haunted by this a little bit, Pat. And maybe you as a college football historian can can give me some other examples. But outside of Jim Trestle, I can't think of any coach in the history who went from that level of football straight to dominant top 10 power coach and won. There have been plenty that, you know, went from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida or from Toledo to Michigan State to Alabama or from, you know, from from Central Michigan to Cincinnati to Notre Dame. But typically going from that, you know, group of five, low group of five or lower straight to a preeminent national title hopeful program is a tough jump to make. So, Tell me your thoughts on Billy Napier and his ability to make that jump. Well, I think the the reason that Florida is, was so high on him is he's so organized, such a, a developer of relationships, and that you know basically you know how this goes, Jeff. When when you get rid of a coach, you hire the opposite. So they hired a guy who is so organized in recruiting, believes in recruiting, is is you know very good recruiter. And and also is a is a great guy who people like to be around and like to talk to. And you know Dan wasn't that guy. You know he wasn't big in recruiting, and he he had a hard time building relationships with people. So you kind of went opposite. But you know one thing I I talked about yesterday on our radio show was when Dan Mullen was hired and Billy Napier was hired. Who was a better hire? Dan Mullen was a much better hire. Yeah. And it just didn't work out. I mean, he had been in the SEC. He had been at Florida. He coached in big games. He coached against Alabama. Um, you know, where Billy Napier hasn't done that. But, again, with, with Mullen, just didn't work out, and, and everything kind of went bad. I mean, I will say this, though. Dan Mullen brought fun back to Florida football. It just – he couldn't sustain it. I, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed in what like the the the, the final narrative you know flavor on on Mullen is. I, I get a little yeah. disgusted, and 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 that's what you know Gator fans tried and true that I respect and like and are good friends of mine. See my co-host in the morning, but the vitriol for a guy who came in and put, and took the worst quarterback situation by a legitimate D1 program in the country and quickly turned it into a good one. One. Double-digit games, went to New York Six Bowls, and yeah, had a terrible last year, but gosh, let's please not let that 
that define the Dan Mullen era doesn't seem fair, Pat. No, I agree with you. And I think when you think about that Auburn game and that LSU game um, that they played that where the, where the swamp was jumping again and it was back to being the swamp, um, all the things that he did do well and winning as many games as he did, going to Starkville and winning, which was very difficult. Um, I was there that night. It was crazy. Um, he did do a lot of good things. The trouble was something happened with Dan um, where I think he got to where he believed getting good players wasn't the key. The key was him, his ability to coach and golf ball plays. And he became a little bit, you know, I think his ego and his arrogance and his, and his stubbornness got in his way. And things started to there was there were cracks in the foundation. Let's just put it that way. All right. So as best you can determine, a final question here on the Gator Glory podcast, uh, brought to you by Safe Harbor Seafood, it would be: tell me, tell me what Gator fan can expect from Billy Napier, the coach, right? I mean, we know he's he's tasked with, and I I, I know what you mean. He's going to have a thirty you know seats at the table commission underneath his direction at the University of Florida. It's going to be, you know, he'll, he'll be CEO or something like that. He's going to take, I think, from some of the, you know, some of the qualities of a lot of the people he worked with and try and input it here. But at the end of the day, I don't care how good you, you recruit. One thing we've learned at Florida, you got to be a good recruiter and a good coach. Can't be either or. I mean, being great at one of those is not enough. It's not enough anymore. So assuming that Billy Napier is going to hit as a recruiter, right, because of his uh, – efforts and, and because of his focus on that. Tell me the kind of coach he's going to be, Pat. What kind of offense and defense you can expect and maybe some of the names that are out there that may be a part of his staff? Well, yeah, I mean, I think he is – I think one thing that was impressive when Scott uh, met with him is he had his staff already picked out. And so we'll have to see who it ends up being. I know he's talked to uh, defensive guys at Oklahoma – State and uh, guys who have good stats, right? Guys that are leading top 10 scoring defenses. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing that I look at, and again, I I know this and I told my wife this stuff last night and she was like, well, that's at Louisiana. Yeah. But it's still, it's where you are is what you do. But all the things that were so bad at Florida, especially this last year, special teams, they're really good on special teams. They blocked four kicks this year. Penalties. They averaged 32 yards a game in penalties. Florida's going like, that was a quarter for us. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and uh, uh, takeaways. I mean, they were plus 11. Florida was minus 9 or minus 10 in takeaways. So I think he can solve those kind of problems just with coaching and just with discipline. Um, and I think it'll be much better in press conferences. I mean, Dan Mullen was not good at press conferences, and it, it, a lot of it – you know, was was part of one of the reasons he's gone. Yeah. Whether it was demanding a full stadium during a pandemic, or wearing a Darth Vader costume, or saying, "Hey, we outgained Kentucky." You know, those kind of things. He was not good at press conferences, and I think the South Carolina press conference is probably the one that got him fired in the end because he said, "Our guys played hard." No, you didn't. No, not not with a score like that. Pat, appreciate your perspective so much. I, I know how uh, in depth your knowledge and your, uh, the history of Florida football and otherwise. So appreciate you taking part in this uh, podcast of uh, Gator Glory, and hopefully with Billy Napier, there's there's more to come. It's my pleasure always talking to you and always talking to Ten Ten Excel. Hey, baby.